Um, so tonight we're going to look, we, we're doing a series, Encounters with Jesus, and uh, tonight is very important because this is a subject that is, is really crucial uh, for all of you um, to deal with, the subject of doubt. Um, we live in a society that's cynical, that's skeptical, that's filled with doubt. Uh, we love indecision. We like keeping our options open. We have millions of, you know, things, social media, advertisements, things to choose from every day. Um, and even as we think of the Christian faith or religions that are out there, um, we often um, struggle with knowing, well, is this true or is this not true? Uh, what do I believe? If you grew up in a in a church, it's often, uh, sometimes at some churches, it's often not cool to doubt. Um, you might have heard that, like, hey, just believe, you know, just believe. That's what it is, is blind faith. Um, and I want to challenge that. Um, and I want to say that there's good reasons to have doubts. In fact, um, a big book that I highly endorse is Reason for God by Tim Keller, and right in the beginning of his book, um, he says this about doubt and how it's actually important to think about uh, your doubts and use them as a bridge to faith. He says this, let, let's begin with believers. A, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it. People who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do, will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. A person's faith can collapse almost overnight if she has failed over the years to listen patiently to her own doubts, which should only be discarded after long reflection. Reason for God, Tim Keller. Um, so, the thing I love about this story tonight that we're going to read, Jesus and John the Baptist, is here you have basically a hero of the faith, John the Baptist, who Jesus actually says, among the prophets, there was no one greater. And he is suffering with doubt. And so that, I hope, should encourage you that if you are, if you are uh, in the midst of doubting or if you're skeptical or you're going through a rough time, um, those doubts um, you shouldn't be afraid of. Um, they should be things that are going to help you as you think through them. Um, in fact, in the book of Jude, it says, show mercy on those who doubt. And so at RUF, we want to be a place where you can have the freedom to bring your questions and your issues and not be afraid to ask hard questions about your faith. Maybe, you can't, maybe you're not a believer and... Uh, but you're considering the Christian faith. And so we are a place to ask questions. We're a place where we want um, everybody to come and to consider the gospel, consider the word of God, and, um, and really ask hard questions about life. We're not afraid of that. Um, so there may be lots of reasons you have doubts, and, and there's lots of reasons. Actually, he goes through seven large um, doubts in this book reason for god but you know one of them would be like how can god be good or all-powerful when there's so much suffering in the world um a lot of our doubts can be theological issues um another one how can christianity claim to be the only true religion in the world 
when there's so many different religions. That's arrogant. How can it say that? Um, then you have a lot of times doubt comes in through personal suffering, um, pain, injuries, health issues. Maybe it's relational breakups of your family. Uh, maybe you've had a really rough church experience, and that's um, tarnished you and hurt you. And because of that, you don't really want to have anything to do with God. Um, and so there also might be just you're uncomfortable with certain teachings in the Bible, like maybe in the Old Testament. You like read these passages, maybe about slavery or women's issues or, or sexual issues, and you're like, like, how can I believe in the Bible? Like, that's so different. Um, and so there's so many reasons uh, that as you look at the Bible that can bring you to doubt as you think about the Bible and our culture. But what I want to say is that God answers those who seek him in faith. And he does give answers. And um, one of the other beautiful things Keller says in this book is that you should actually doubt your doubts. And what he means by that is, Every doubt has an antithesis that you're bringing to the table. And so you should doubt your, your skepticism is basically what he's saying. You should, you should hold their, your skepticism or what you believe on the other side up into the light as well, as high as you do what the Christian faith is teaching. And so think about that as we go on. But uh, I'm going to read the passage tonight, and uh, it's from... Luke chapter 7, and then we'll see how Jesus answers a doubter. Uh, okay, so here, God's word from Luke 7, 18 to 35. The disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, John the Baptist, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John the Baptist. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written. This is from Isaiah. Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared, God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. To whom then shall I compare the people of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children, sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, 
We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. Let me pray real quick. Lord, be with us. Lord, this is an important uh, subject to think about. This passage, give us light. We pray in, your Christ, in Christ's name. Amen. So, um, as we think about the context of this passage, John the Baptist, who was a cousin of Jesus and knew Jesus from birth, uh, is in prison. He's in prison because he had preached against Herod, who had taken his brother Philip's wife. And so John the Baptist, who was out preaching in the wilderness and calling people to repent and like telling people the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is coming and had baptized Jesus um, and had told his disciples, like, follow him. He is now undergoing uh, prison because of Herod, because of preaching basically God's truth against his sin. And so this is the context. He is suffering. He is lonely. He's in this prison. And he's probably thinking, too, and he's thinking about Jesus. He had an idea that when Jesus comes, he's going to kind of immediately bring in the kingdom of God. And he's thinking about the Old Testament kings like David and Solomon and bringing in the reign of God again. Because remember, uh, Israel was like, way under now, um, under the Roman authority and under these other um, rulers at that time. And so they had lost the glory of their nation. And so part of what they believed about the Messiah was that Jesus was going to bring in his reign. And and like, so John's been waiting, like, I'm in prison. Like, Lord, where are you? Like, there must be someone else that's going to come. Are you the one? Whenever I hear that phrase, I always think of the Matrix, like Neo, like Neo is the one, right? It's like, it's like, are you the one? You know, the one that's going to make all things right. And, uh, but, so anyway, so this is what the disciples come with, with, with John the Baptist's question. John is suffering. John is doubting. And so um, here's, the, here's the answers. And so the, the main question of the passage is, how does Jesus respond to, to a doubter? And he does this by proofs, by praise, and by play. Three Ps, okay? So let's look at proofs. He gives proof. The first thing we see Jesus do is he takes action, and he does deeds of miracles and healings. And he's actually fulfilling the scriptures, 21 and 22. He says, in that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. What he's doing is he's showing the disciples to take back to John. I'm doing the exact things that I came to do to reverse the curse. All that sin is destroyed. People that are deaf and lame and blind and have diseases and casting out demons. Like I'm doing the very things that the Messiah uh, is going to do. You see what he's doing is he's fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy in a, in a, like a few hours to, for the disciples. And he's, emphasizing to John the Baptist that the very things you know, John, in Isaiah are coming true. In fact, these things that he that he is doing, if you look in your scriptures and you see some side references, are referring back to Isaiah 29 and Isaiah 35. 
And so basically when uh, Jesus answers in verse 22, he says, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. He's using these ideas that come from Isaiah's prophecy. And Isaiah is the book that John the Baptist um, used for his title as one uh, a while, you know, calling in the wilderness, um, prepare the way of the Lord. And so John the Baptist would have been very familiar with the prophet Isaiah some 700 years before. And Jesus is going right back to that prophetical book and he's showing John the Baptist that it's true. I'm the one. I'm doing everything that the scriptures say. Believe, John. And so this is really, this is really gracious. Um, Jesus could have said, just believe. Like, just tell him to believe. No, he's like healing people. And he's, he loves John. And uh, he is showing John and his, and his disciples that it's true. I am the one. I am the Messiah. And he's also graciously correcting some of John's misconceptions. If you go back to Luke 3, um, you'll see that John the Baptist was kind of a hellfire brimstone uh, kind of preacher. And in John 3, 17, one of his sermons, he's, he's, he quotes this. He says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. And this is all true about uh, the Messiah, but John had his timing off. He was thinking Jesus is going to do that when he first comes. When Jesus rises, uh, he's going to bring in judgment. But but instead, Jesus came as a suffering servant, the Lamb of God who would be slain. He's coming to, to preach, to pray, to heal, to ultimately die uh, on the cross to redeem sinners. At the end of time, when Jesus comes again, he will come to judge the nations. And so that is part of who he is. But at this point, um, Jesus is trying to correct the misconceptions of, of John the Baptist. And so the point is, is that Jesus is showing grace and he is trying to help the doubter. And this is what we find in the Bible. Like, in fact, in an, later on in Jesus's ministry, uh, Philip, one of the 12, comes up to him, and he is doubting. And Jesus says this. He says, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. So even the disciples who were with Jesus were doubting. We have Thomas who was doubting, and we, we know that uh, Jesus allowed him to touch him after the resurrection to see that he is alive, he is real. Jesus deals with doubters with grace. And so um, how are you with your doubts? I remember when I was in seminary, I, I went through a series of doubts um, and depression. And uh, one of the beautiful things is my professor, Jaron Bars, he told me to write a paper to myself on why I believe in God. So basically the whole semester, I'm just I'm depressed. I'm like, is God real? Here I am at seminary. I don't even know if I should be at seminary. Am I pretending? Like, I had all these doubts and uh, was not doing well. But he showed me a lot of grace. And he just said, hey, I want you to slow down. And I just want you to, like, read through the scriptures and um, 
answer this question, why I believe in God. And so I began to look at the scriptures and, and a lot of the scriptures, a lot of the doubters like Elijah and Jeremiah and Job, who had all this suffering, one of the things you'll see in all those books is they, the Lord speaks to them through creation. And so I began to read these passages on how God reveals himself. And like in Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. The Bible uh, says that God reveals himself in two ways. One, through the creation, the beauty of it, the majesty of it, the power of it. God shines through in everything that he has made. It's, it's as if the creation is screaming out, I am alive, I've created this. And also, not just that, but that God reveals himself specially to us through his word and ultimately through his actions in history, with the greatest action is himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, breaking into our world and revealing the Father to us, showing us who God is. And so the beauty of the Christian faith is that God is not silent, as Francis Schaeffer, an old theologian, has said, that he breaks into our world and reveals himself, and that the problem is not that God is silent or not revealing himself enough. What the Bible actually says is the problem is our heart. The heart of the problem is, or the, pro the problem of the heart is the heart of the problem. That our issue is ourselves, that we, we see God's revelation in creation in the scriptures and we suppress it. Because of our sin nature, we don't really want God. We want to be God. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden and that has passed down to us. We worship idols. We worship anything. We don't want to have to submit to anybody. And so um, what I would say, though, if you're doubting or maybe if you're, uh, you're not sure if you believe, I would spend a lot of time just reading the Bible. Seriously, just like sit down on a Sunday afternoon and like read the entire Gospel of John. You could do it in like an hour. Um, and I will tell you, if you are honest and if you're telling God, God, sh show up here, like, Help me with my doubts. Um, one of the other things my professor said is write down your doubts. Like, what are your questions? What are the questions that you really have that you're struggling with? Like I said last week, this is college. This is a time where you're experiencing lots of things. You are studying all kinds of different subjects. Why not, even if you grew up in the church, why not really consider the faith in a new way? Is this yours? Uh, do you, do you really believe, or is this just your parents' faith, or your family's faith, or your grandparents' faith? Um, what I would ask you to do is just be serious. Just start reading the Bible and start praying to God, and just ask God to show up and, and help me. Okay, so the first, thing, the first thing is proof. Second thing is praise. The beautiful thing is Jesus builds up. He builds up John the Baptist. So his disciples leave, and they take the message back. And then you have Jesus talking to the crowd about John the Baptist and really, really lifting him up as the ultimate prophet. Um, he says this, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Uh, I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. So here is Jesus saying, John the Baptist is the greatest, even though he is doubting me, and even though 
He is weak in his faith. He is greater than Elijah. He is greater than Elisha. He is literally the last and greatest Old Testament prophet. He doesn't mention his doubts, his struggles to believe. He says, like, you went out there and you saw a fierce fighter for me. He was not like a reed that waves in a wind. You, you saw like a prophet. He was dressed like Elijah. He was out in the wilderness eating locusts and honey. You were in there having oatmeal. I mean, he was, he was just, <laughs> I know you like that oatmeal. Um, <laughs> the point is, is that Jesus is, is praising him. And, and so this is, this is something to remember about you and I. If you're a believer, if you've believed in the Lord Jesus and maybe you're doubting, you're struggling, guess what? Jesus is, loves you, and he is saying, you're my beloved child. In fact, I love Zephaniah 3.17. It says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with singing. He will quiet you with his love. When you're suffering, when you're doubting, when you're full of shame and guilt because you committed that sin like the thousandth time, you're like, how am I ever going to stop this? Like, whatever you're going through, you got to remember, if you're in Christ, you're in Christ. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more than he already does, and there's nothing you cannot do to make, it, to make him love you more than he already does. Because the gospel says that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, and it's complete. It's outside of you. It's not about Chris's performance or your performance. The gospel is outside of yourself, and Jesus loves you and died for you. You're his child. And so... When you're going through doubts, what you need to do, you need to preach the gospel to yourself. You need to think about, here's, here's Jesus praising John the Baptist. Well, Jesus is praising you. Jesus is like doing cartwheels for you up in heaven right now um, because he loves you and he just wants to be, be with you. You're his beloved child and nothing can take that away. But guess what? You just forgot that. That quick, your sin can get in the way and Oh, you just feel awful. And so you need to remember again and preach the gospel. Ephesians 1 is a great place to start for that. It talks about how he chose us in love and uh, he, pre he predestined us before the foundation of the earth. And he redeemed us. He adopted us. We're his sons and daughters. He shed his blood for us. Uh, he forgave us. He gives us all of his riches. You need that. You need to be pumped up. Jesus, Jesus pumps us up when we remember the gospel. Okay. So we've looked at proofs, we looked at praise, and then the last thing here is play. What, I, what do I mean by that? Well, I'm referring to this little phrase that Jesus mentions. Um, he likened the unbelievers as children calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not weep. What in the world is going on? Well, as Jesus is preaching, um, he says, the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. And when he said that, the tax collectors and the sinners, they all rejoiced. Like, yeah, we've been baptized by John. We're in. We're like loved. We're good. God is just. Woohoo! But the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law were like, uh, they were not happy. They rejected the purposes of God. Uh, and they rejected the purpose of God in John the Baptist. And they also rejected the purpose of God in Jesus. They had seen all these people go out to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist was just straight preaching from the Old Testament, and they refused to believe. They refused to acknowledge they were sinners. 
And then Jesus comes along, and he's fulfilling all of the miracles and doing all the things the Messiah is going to do, and they still refuse to believe him. And he's like saying, you unbelievers, you fair, you're like children. You're like fickle children, and we, we played the flute. You didn't dance. You know, we sang a dirge, and you didn't weep. And so how do I, how do I relate this to doubt? Okay. The issue with doubt is, is that it, and unbelief is that Jesus will divide people. Um, the gospel will ultimately divide people. And what does it take to resolve unbelief and doubt? It ultimately takes humility and accepting what God has revealed. That's what the tax collectors and sinners did when John preached about sin. They saw in their hearts that they were sinners. Their, their experience matched with the truth of God's word. And they were like, let's put that together. But the Pharisees kept suppressing the truth. And so part of what it means to get out of unbelief, get out of doubt, is like you have to allow God's word back into your heart and humbly receive it as it is the word of God. And you have to challenge your skepticism and your unbelief as also standing in faith. You're standing in whatever you're not believing or whatever you whatever other philosophy you have. Um, and so doubts desire a resolve. And what I mean by play is you have to decide. You have to get out there and play. The game <laughs> is now. The game to decide about Jesus is now. Uh, and so maybe it's going to take you time. If you're new to the faith, you need some time to, like, evaluate. And, and you have that. This is college. Like, read. Be serious about it. And uh, write down what your questions are. Let's talk about that. Val can talk about it. Josh, let's, let's like, be honest with where you are. But to, to kind of continue to put things off is not, is not playing <laughs> according to the rules. Um, uh, and so, so to resolve doubt takes, takes a choice for you to engage your will to humbly come to the word, to ask God to pray, um, and not to stay on the sideline like the Pharisees did. Um, but, in, but get in the game and figure this out. Get in the game and be honest. Get in the game and ask God to help you. Um, you'll never have, like, you'll never have all the data. We're finite people, okay? Um, but those scriptures are giving us enough information to believe. We're finite. Only God is infinite and eternal. You know, you can only put so much in this little pea head right here. And so we're finite. We're not going to know everything at every time at all places. But the Bible is saying you have enough. You have enough information in here. So get in the word, decide, and uh, see what God will do in your life. And with that, um, I will just quote, learn to doubt your doubts. Learn to doubt your doubts. Please pick this book up if you haven't. I can, I'll get you a copy if you want one. And uh, let me pray. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you. I know this was a little longer. Um, but, Lord, this is some serious stuff uh, dealing with unbelief and doubts that we all have, Lord. So help us to wrestle through questions and to be honest with our hearts, not to continually put things off and put things off but to deal with you uh pray that your spirit would help us 
that you would give faith and belief and encouragement to everyone if they're struggling wherever they are tonight, that God, you would uh, really encourage them and bless them. And we pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.